0: Alright, so before we get into the show proper, just a few things. Um, Unfortunately, we did run into some technical issues. This stuff does happen, uh, and it sucks, but we are only, only able to get about 51 of the recorded minutes from this week's uh, NFL breakdown. Uh, we do get through the Raiders and Chiefs game, um, but unfortunately that's where it ends, but we still really appreciate you guys listening. Still a lot of really good takes to listen to that happened through those game breakdowns, but we just won't have the Barcel segment and then um, the audio version of the Power Rankings. But still, go out and enjoy it, and let's get into it then. NFL Week 11 had a lot more close games than kind of what we've seen recently, and we've seen close games, and I think this week have more than any, we saw a lot more games that were just outright blowouts as well. A lot of teams scoring less than 10 points, wasn't pretty, was not the best week of football that we've seen, but it was football nonetheless, which makes it good. But thank you everyone for joining in um, to another NFL Weekly Breakdown show. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by Alex you know little ak firing off with ak
1: ak is here ak is in person so hopefully the uh the we won't we won't have a youtube video out this week but the uh the audio is going to be flawless we're in person we're gonna be oh, yeah. bouncing tanks right off there,
0: there's no forth. need for alex have his little cutouts with his uh kind of country internet with the zoom connection and stuff like that
1: yeah, i take i take offense to that i, I I live in, in what some people call the country, some people call off the beat. Yeah, Literally like
0: five minutes outside the city.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it gets the job done. So, oh, 100% and gets And now the we're job here, done. and we're going to have a flawless show for you, so just sit back, relax, and enjoy Week 11 Breakdown. It's now
0: even better. If we say something incredibly stupid, we can just hit each other in this. We can't just get mad over camera. <laughs> so if you hear some a uh, little bit of that action, you know what just went down. But let's get on into things, folks. Of course, starting us off this week was the Cardinals at the Seahawks. This itself is has always been historically a really good matchup, really even matchup between um, these two teams. But this time you had the Seahawks pulling off twenty-eight to twenty-one. With the Seahawks actually playing complementary football in a huge divisional matchup, we saw their defense, I would say that their defense had the best game of the season so far. With the Seahawks' defense forces a a safety, holds Kyler under 300 yards, um, Cardinals offense at 300 total yards, D-Hop didn't go off, and I, I think that was the most important part of this game this week.
1: Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of key points there, and I think the most important thing that the Seahawks defense did this week is they contained Kyler Murray in the rushing game. He did not have his typical, all right, it's third and seven, let's break the pocket, let's get 11 yards because I'm Kyler Murray and I'm faster than every single player in your defense kind of moments. They kept him. (laughs) Jamal Adams is incredible at what he does, which is an in-the-box safety. He's not a great cover guy. Great on blitzes. And if you want a spy for a running quarterback like Lamar Jackson, like Kyler Murray, Jamal Adams is picture perfect for that role. That's what they did. Seahawks offense did enough. Um, they, they did not need Russ. To have a massive game, which he didn't, he didn't, he didn't play awesome this week. At least they, he didn't throw in interceptions. Exactly, and they didn't need him to. They didn't need him to be awesome. Um,
0: I mean, going from seven interceptions in three games to a game against a legitimate defense. Yeah. With mm, staying clean, I think that's the most important part.
1: Exactly, and I think this was a, I think this was a game that the Seahawks badly, badly needed, mm-hmm. not just from a standings point of view, but also just from a game script point of view, to know that. They're able to have a game like this where they're they're holding the, the the offense to under 25 points and still able to get wins, grind wins out. It's just something that they have not been able to do this year. So I think it was good for their morale to be able to pull off a win like this, especially this late in the year.
0: 100%. Um, huge divisional matchup in there. Of course, none of these two teams are going to need the division anymore. We'll get to that game uh, in a little bit. Uh, next game, we had the Eagles at the Browns. With um, the Browns taking this one 22 17, and this was yet another poor offen- um, offensive game, another ugly demonstration of offensive football for both the Browns, and an even uglier one for the Eagles. Of course, we only had one offensive touchdown that's from Kareem Hunt in the fourth. Uh, defense and field goals are going to lead the scoring for the Browns um, with, with a pick six in the first. A safety in the third. And that's all due to way more Carson Wentz problems. Of course, we talked uh, last week, Alex. We had the question in our hot take segment of whether or not Jalen Hurts is going to be starting this week, of course. Or uh, starting sometime this season. We actually had a decent amount of you guys, about 60% um, between our Twitter at 4th Long Radio. Instagram at 4th Long Radio. Um, Poll on this. And they, our fans did say that he was going to be starting sometime this year. They agree with me, disagree with you. There's no surprise there. Carson Wentz, another two interceptions on this one. And let me give you this, Alex. Carson Wentz now has 18 total turnovers on the season. The Eagles, as a team, have 20. And Mm. the (laughs) – yep. So all but two of them are from anyone else besides Carson Wentz or or, or from Carson Wentz. And then they're only four behind the uh, league leader – in turnovers, which are the Broncos with 24, so by himself, Carson Wentz is six turnovers behind the leading team in the league.
1: Just from my math, accounting for 90 percent of your team's turnovers doesn't seem like a winning formula by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I, think just from a just just from looking at the box score, I think this just score line is not indicative at all of how this final score should have been. This should have been a six to three game through and through. <laughs> yeah. I mean that. Interception that he threw in the first half to Taki Taki is really was bad. One of the worst decisions, throws and ensuing runs to try to get after the the linebacker scoring. It that. looked like and Gronk
0: trying to make that tackle when he was with the Patriots a couple years ago against the Dolphins. Yeah,
1: I mean it was just really really bad. And if and if you needed a game or you needed a week to get all of the fans off your shoulder if you're Carson Wentz, I mean you know how bad the Eagles can get after their guys this was just not the week that you drew up. This was just, <laughs> just not what you wanted. Um, I don't know if it's something that's mental with him where he thinks he's this great player, but really he's not. I mean, he, he, it's not like he's surrounded by a ton of weapons, but he's also just making everything so much harder for himself. And it's just not not going to yield success long term. It's not something that I think can be Is that mean
0: yielding success in the immediate?
1: Well, I mean, they're division leaders, so you can't say well, anything about that. <laughs> don't
0: <laughs> give me division leader when you're in the NFC East. Division leader doesn't mean Jack in that, hey, okay? Mean, if, okay? If
1: at the end of the year you're hosting a playoff game, you did something right. But oh, All joking aside, Carson <laughs> Wentz is just not, not a good football player right now. I don't think it's going to be able to... Be remedied, uh, you know. He doesn't have a great injury track record, which is something that you could maybe look towards. Or you know, he's going to be healthy, but don't even know that. Jaylen Arm Hertz. talents there. Jalen Hurts is looking a lot better right now mm-hmm. in those minds and Doug Peterson's mind. I think uh, if if they had a Week Twelve bye week, it might be something where you'd see a uh, changing of the guard here. But I I think it's just it's it's too weird of a season. To throw in Jalen Hurts now, because if he wants any long-term success, he needs an offseason. He yeah. needs a preseason. He needs a, a runway to be able to, to have a start in the NFL. Can to do that, right
0: though? What is long-term success when you're the Philadelphia Eagles?
1: Uh, a Super Bowl? How about uh, oh. how about 2017? Was that long-term? I,
0: I That was a lucky streak with BDN taking over. That was not long. That Okay, then what have they done since then?
1: It doesn't matter what they've done you since then. You want not call that long-term once, success? No, no, no. Once you win a Super Bowl, you have at least 10 years to do whatever you want. So to me, that's long-term success. That's the final goal. And they didn't build that just from – just they didn't randomly just win a Super Bowl. They had good foundation. They had a team that the year before they won the Super Bowl was incredible with Carson Wentz. Incredible. He was the MVP leader Going into that Rams game, and then the next year.
0: How did we go from that to this? Yeah, I don't. know. was was it the, the torn ACL against the Rams was that was that the turning point of his career? I, I was that where it all went downhill.
1: I don't. I mean, I, I think when you're when you're a franchise quarterback and you go through what Carson Wentz went through in a three year stretch, it's it's got to play in your mind because I mean just just go through the timeline. 2017, he's at the top of the world, MVP leader. Eagles look like a Super Bowl contender through and through. Tears his ACL. Come back the next year. Gets hurt again in the playoffs. You have your backup quarterback. You got him going through a Super Bowl MVP winning type postseason. Got people building statues for this guy already. And you're supposed to be the guy. And I think that mental toll kind of wore on him a little bit and now he's got this warped mind where he thinks, oh, now I have to be the guy that everyone thinks that I was back in 2017. And it's just not there for him right now. And he's forcing everything. He's trying to make every single play. And it's just turnover after turnover, bad play after bad play. And its it, I think it was just a spiraling all because mm. of everyone thought he, they had this this mindset of what Carson Wentz should be. And now he's just fighting and clawing to get back to that point. I don't think he's going to get back there.
0: No, it's not possible. Um, Browns, on the other hand, sure, um, Browns fans, be happy right now on genuinely – Please be happy about this because you're actually 7-3. You're actually on path for a playoff berth, which I feel like all in, in like at least half the fan base has not even been able to witness one of this in their lifetime. The one caveat to that is, sure, they're 6-0 against teams that are under 500, Alex, but against teams that are actually over 500, 1-3, but... I'm gonna give this to them because it's not about winning a playoff game necessarily. If you're the Browns, I'd just be happy with a playoff birth in in the baby,
1: uh, baby steps and, and the Browns fans' eyes right now. They want to see. <laughs> they, let's make it first. They want to they play in January is what they want to do. And if they get there, I think it's a win for them
0: this year. And that's totally understandable. Next game, Alex. We had the Taysom. Hill show, of course, leading into this week, we had a lot of people uh, thinking that was going to be Jameis Winston. You thought it was going to be Jameis Winston. I, I-, I kind of wanted to believe that, too. We had Saints players actually kind of being disappointed with the decision to roll with Taysom Hill. But at the end of the day, Taysom Hill, 230 pass yards, um, 51 rush yards, couple rushing touchdowns. Better pass rating than most in the league. Better pass rating than Tom Brady with his hundred eight point nine compared to Tom Brady's sixty two point five. So going off of this, Taysom Hill is the better quarterback out of the two. <laughs> uh, but it, it was the it was that Saints defense um, that that really backed that new quarterback with their. Best performance this season. Uh, a couple of interceptions, keeping the Falcons under 250 yards until offense, which is no easy feat because the Falcons, man, they have a legitimately good offense. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a good offense at least, but they have the weapons for a good offense. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I think my favorite part about this week is that after the game, Sean Payne, not really a guy you think would do this, kind of more quieter guy, a lot more kind of a class uh, coach in the league. And not really how you see with the social media presence. So after the game, what does he do? He goes out and retweets uh, Falcons' Roddy White. When Roddy White tweeted that they were going to smack the Saints and Taysom Hill, um, leading them to this game.
1: <laughs> I, I think it goes to, to, to prove that all coaches, no matter if they're old school or new school, they love motivation. They love having people doubt them. And it's they, all about the whiteboard the the the, the corkboard stuff, right? Exactly. I mean, you saw the same thing in the Northwestern game with uh, with um I uh, forget that guy's name now, but uh he he had the the fighting Reese Davis's comment, Joe Galloway made a comment and uh, that's all the Northwestern needed Pat Fitzgerald, the coach's name. <laughs> um but but yeah, going back to the Saints Saints Falcons game, I think Taysom Hill, I mean, if he drew up a game plan to have Taysom Hill be your quarterback for this game, this was exactly the blueprint because the defense got after Matt Ryan. Eight sacks. I mean, their defensive line was collapsing that pocket all game long. The Saints were able to build a lead. Um, You know, he he wasn't asked to do a ton in the pass game, but when he was asked to do something, it was, you know, very short, five, ten yards down the field. um, Get the ball in your playmaker's hands. A lot of slants to Michael Thomas. Shocker. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much else they can. Well, do. Well, since he run, man? Oh, exactly. But <laughs> I, I think what was very very telling was you almost you, you saw what Taysom Hill could do under center, mm-hmm. but you also saw the whole offense kind of adapt to what he does well. They didn't try to you know go crazy with um you know the some of the stuff that he does when Drew Brees is in there with a lot of trick plays. They kept everything very vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Play to his strengths it's, it's almost what you thought Tim Tebow was going to be like A couple years ago Where is
0: he Hill just a, a really good And is he just a pro version Of what Tim Tebow was in college?
1: I mean, th- th- I think <laughs> this is what, what uh, John Elway would have loved to see Tim Josh Tebow McDaniels
0: maybe. Josh McDaniels was the one that drafted him
1: but well, John Elway was the one pulling the strings behind the scenes. It was
0: actually Josh McDaniel's, um ultimate decision to, to take Tebow. He was wow. the one behind it. I didn't know that. But, well, uh, now you know.
1: Well, well, I mean, this is kind of it. This is just the right-handed version of Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is something you would want to do for the, the playoffs. One's one Christian,
0: one's Mormon. It's so,
1: kind, of, kind the, of a super Christian at that point. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but uh, I, I ultimate mean, Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 Tim Tebow. Super
0: sane Tim Tebow. Can we, can we call him that?
1: I think that might be his new name. Super Saint Tim Tebow. Yeah. I I don't know if Taysom Hill is going to be a big fan of that. Tim Tim Tebow didn't have a lot of success. I mean, Tim Tebow would have never gotten the Taysom Hill contract. Hey, he won a
0: playoff game. Okay.
1: I mean, Taysom Hill might... I mean, this is... Here's the thing is, Taysom Hill showed Sean Payton that Sean Payton can drop an offense for Taysom Hill to succeed in. Mm -hmm. I I don't think he's in any rush to bring Drew Brees back. I I mean, I think this is a lot more fun for him. It's just... (laughs) I mean, you never saw Sean Payton have a reaction like that to Roddy White and any of the other Drew Brees wins, did you? No. And all of a sudden, Taysom Hill wins one game and he's out there firing off tweets on Twitter. I think this might be—it's—it's it's almost like his son, like the coach's kid. Everyone, <laughs> everyone bags on him. Like, how did you give the, how did you draft the coach's kid first overall in your little league draft? And it's just like him paying Taysom Hill a ridiculous contract for a backup quarterback utility guy, and now it's like, well, I, now you see that when I drop an offense for, for Taysom Hill, we can actually get a win. And so now he's got a little puffed-out ego. And, you know, this is this is Sean Payton at his finest.
0: And we'll talk about Taysom Hill a little bit in the show in our Buy or Sell segment. The next game was the Bengals at the football team. Uh, uh, Washington did take this one 20-9. But honestly, ignore the score for either team. Ignore anything that happened this game. And let's only focus on the only thing that matters from this week. And that is the fact that the turf, at FedEx Field, takes another quarterback. We've we we I did this list a a a few weeks ago, Alex. We had Alex Smith, of course, the course the the OG for this, Joe Theismann. We've had RG three. We we've had uh, um, a couple other guys too. Um, Colin Allen, most recent or um a little more recently uh, before this one, and now we have the almighty Joe Burrow. Terrace's ACL and MCL on that damn turf.
1: How could they take our prints like that? I mean, this is... But here's the problem is we've been calling for this all freaking year, and it's not like anyone's trying to claim they're a genius because they predicted that Joe Burrow was going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You could have showed an 8-year-old kid a couple Bengals games, and they would have been like, seems like those guys aren't blocking you for that guy well, with, the, with know, the ball 70 times a game. You
0: didn't even need to show him the game film because we all saw preseason that him run for his life in practice yeah. and then goes out against against a solid uh front seven that they're building there love uh, course by chase young who's has been a phenomenal season mm-hmm. no one's surprised about mm-hmm. that but the Bengals have possibly ruined one of the brightest stars in football uh one of the one of those brightest young stars in football by not investing in offensive line
1: I mean, this is something they can easily address this year, because with a very, very quarterback-heavy draft at the top, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Bengals are not a good team, so I don't think Ryan Finley's going to go light the world on fire. And now they might get an even higher pick if they're looking for the bright side. Exactly. They're going to get a higher pick, and I'm calling it now they will 100% draft Penny Sewell from Oregon this year. He's going to (sighs) play left tackle for the next 15 years for the Bengals. Love that. You can— Clip this right now. He will be a Bengal. I don't care if you need to trade up, trade down, play right where you are. You need them. Penny Sewell, and that's what Joe Burrow needs.
0: Well, Penny Sewell, if, if you guys don't know, he is offensive tackle uh, for for the Oregon Ducks, and he is consistently, I believe, for the past two seasons, the highest graded player in all of college football. Yeah, this guy to- has given, I think, one quarterback pressure. He's ridiculously good.
1: He's as advertised too. I mean, you put on the game film of this guy. He moves his feet like a running back, and he's stronger than an ox. He's big, exactly man. Exactly how you want. It. Big. Effort. I mean, as as two cornerstones of the franchise, if you bring in Joe Burrow and Penny Sewell, those are going to be your guys for 15 years. Oh.
0: It, it, the only problem with Alex is that you are saying something that makes too much sense for the Bengals to do yeah. Which is why they're not going to do it
1: Yeah, they're just going to draft another quarterback because they're like, well, what if Joe gets hurt?
0: <laughs> we got to have a good backup, right? Oh, man uh, Next game at least, let's talk about this He may not have had the best NFL debut, but damn it, it was still a blast to watch And I'm so happy that he finally got his opportunity because of course on sunday lions and panthers panthers you out the Lions, swing nothing and that's because xfl legend 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 the uncrowned mvp on the uncrowned championship team of the xfl mvp j walker Remains undefeated as a professional quarterback, of course, with the Houston Roughnecks. He went 5-0. He's now 1-0 in the NFL. You know, about 260 yards. One touchdown. He had a bat and a couple interceptions. One of them bad in, in, in the end zone. It, it's growing pains, you know. It, it's going to happen. But, hey, undefeated. And then the Lions get... Sh- they got shut down offensively by what's turning out to be, at, at least if we're looking for the future, that Panthers defense could be... Really good.
1: Yeah, th- these Panthers are cooking up a really, really formidable team. And and I think, you know, love P.J. Walker, but mm-hmm. if you add a cornerstone franchise QB to add with Christian McCaffrey coming back healthy in 2021, that defense is just going to get a year older at every single position. Too bad they, they can't get it. Justin Fields. <laughs> well, I mean...
0: Stranger things have happened.
1: I I, don't know. I mean, there's, there's five quarterbacks in this draft that I, I think all are... First round top fifteen mm-hmm. talents, and if they could just get one of those and, and pair them with um, a young DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson isn't young by any means, but Curtis Samuel is a great weapon. McCaffrey obviously is a world beater. That whole defense is young. Their offensive line needs, not bad. In, needs improving, not bad. but it's 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 better not, than it's Bengals not at least. Not <laughs> it a lot better bones than Bengals. But I think the best part about this Panthers team is. It's only taken eleven weeks for Matt Rule to instill his culture. Yes. And that culture is a winning culture. It's a very similar culture to Brian Forrest, what he's doing in, in Miami. And it's 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 one where he's gonna attract a lot of free agents because of the way his team plays, the way his team, um, you know, is coached. They're coached hard, they play hard, they are fundamentally sound. Um doesn't take a lot to shut out the Lions team, but you still got to go out there and play for 60 minutes. And it wasn't a, a David Blau or a Jeff Driscoll Lions. It was a Matt Stafford, mm-hmm. a tight, uh Lions team. Um, but also we talked about P.J. Walker having some some interceptions, but I think just by the eye test and looking at how he commanded that offense and how he just ran um, you know, that whole game, he wasn't scared. He wasn't no. timid. He was making plays. He was so upset when he made those plays. And he almost just... He walked around with that confidence that he wasn't the backup quarterback, that this was his team. He was a starter today. He was going to take control of this offense. He wasn't trying to dink and dunk down the field. He was taking shots down the field. Yeah. And that led to a couple of interceptions, but it didn't feel like you were running a backup quarterback's playbook. You were running the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he almost. I mean. Just, just from one week, it almost seems like you have a higher ceiling offensively with P.J. Walker than Teddy Bridgewater because mm-hmm. you at least have a quarterback that's going to push the ball down the and
0: field. And you could definitely argue that. Um, I, I don't know if he, a lot of you guys were able to watch him when he was in the XFL back uh, earlier this year. in to-
1: that February. That mm, oh My
0: gosh. It was. <laughs> what the? <laughs> that was this year. I don't know. Oh. 2020, ladies and gentlemen, but um, if you were able to watch him, I was lucky I was able to watch him for all five weeks that they played because I just happened to be a Houston Roughnecks fan. Shout out to me for actually picking a good team uh, for once, which I was very thrilled with. Uh, But passing, just looking at eye test. I mean, PJ Walker, he was making throws. That we could attribute to be Patrick Mahomes-esque. He made a little stardom throw about 15 yards to the back of the end zone through a couple into a tight window. And then if Patrick Mahomes did that, it'd be all over ESPN. And P.J. Walker made that same throw. P.J. P.J. Walker is a good quarterback, and I am really happy for him that he was able to get his opportunity. to being cut by NFL teams by like 11 or 13 times, he works his way up and he gets his opportunity and he makes. A pretty good statement in his first win in his first NFL game. So hats off to that guy. And then you spoke about a winning culture. Let's move on to the team with arguably, with at least this season, the best winning culture. We had the Steelers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Steelers shut down the Jags, winning this twenty-seven to three. Steelers go on to ten and zero on the season, and this was another team. Win for the Steelers, we had Big Ben's rain love with touchdowns to Claypool and Ebron. Um, solid game on the ground, and then it was your defense that forces turnover uh, for turnovers, and that was Jake Luden with four interceptions. Of course, he was looking, yeah, um, I think he's above expect expected this season, but here he goes against a legitimate defense. And all his hopes and dreams come crashing down.
1: I mean, he was still trucking the rock around, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he wasn't <He's>, scared, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he seems like a guy that knows that starting quarterback's coming back next week, so might as well uh chuck it around. Well, so. maybe
0: not the story but Mike Lennon, ladies and gentlemen.
1: No, I think Gardner Minshew's coming back this week. There's
0: they're talking about Mike Lennon. Really? Yes.
1: No, they're not gonna put Mike Lennon out there. Are I mean, really you really gonna put that guy's neck?
0: Are you really gonna put that past Doug Morone I, I really gone.
1: I mean, it, I mean, I think Doug Marrone already sees the writing on the wall here. He doesn't really give a shit anymore. He's just like, all right, let's let's throw uh, Jake Luton and Mike Lennon out in the field. And let's... You said Jake Futon? Yeah, I mean, that's that's got a cool name. Let's put him in there. See what he does. And you know, four weeks later, he's got 18 picks. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, There's not much to say about this game. The Jags went out to a roaring 3-0 lead. I mean, it was, it was at one point in the second quarter it was 3-0 Jags, and you thought, uh-oh.
0: worried about the Steelers playing Steelers. down to the competition again.
1: oh yeah. I mean, the, the survivor pools are getting a little thinner with the Steelers loss. The Jags did it again like they did in week one against the Colts. But, I mean, this team's bad. The Steelers are good. They did what they had to do, and the Steelers are going to get blessed again this week because everyone on the Ravens tested positive for the Coco. So. The only
0: problem with that is that we had one Good game this Thanksgiving. One good game this year with the Ravens and the Steelers. And we get that taken away bye from bye.
1: The, oh No more. What did you think was going to happen? We're just going to have a, a nice full Thanksgiving slate, and that's just what's going to be? No, of course, they're going to pull the rug out from under us. But <laughs> You're right.
0: And this is the second time the Steelers get screwed again because, you remember, we had the whole Titans fiasco earlier in the season. The Steelers lose their bye week, and now they lose their Thanksgiving primetime game. Players are not happy about this no, I mean, to say the least, and i'll blame them
1: also i mean it's pretty crazy that that one week was the only time that we had a game actually postponed or canceled mm-hmm. in the nfl i mean there's a lot of t- there's a lot of games that are being moved around and um delayed a couple of days but that was the only time that it's ever been canceled and then mm-hmm. meanwhile you have the raiders last week not have their whole offensive line <laughs> for the whole week of practice and then it's like okay go play on sunday night and uh oh yeah here's matt patrick mahomes coming in sounds great but, okay. yeah, it
0: doesn't make any sense. It, it's I guess NFL just hates the Steelers. Uh, moving on to the next game, though. Of course, this was a highly anticipated game off of what we had in the divisional round in last year's playoffs. We had the rematch between the Titans and the Ravens. Titans going into Baltimore and pulling out a big win in overtime on the back of Derrick Henry. This was a similar game in ways. To their matchup, as I alluded to last season, we had Tenhill making plays when he needs to. So he wasn't throwing the ball up and down the field. He wasn't winning the game on self, but he was playing a, a, a. He was a good, solid quarterback. But it was Derrick Henry that really led the Titans when almost thirty carries, hundred and thirty yards, and that that overtime touchdown that that won it for them. And then we had Lamar Jackson with a, a, a game that was just eh. unimpressive. Meh.
1: That's uh, that's what it is, and, and we've been hearing that way too it's much. It's been like what Lamar. four weeks in a row now. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is Lamar keeps talking about our offense is predictable, a like defenses calling out our plays, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But here's the problem: Lamar is not making plays himself right now. He's mm-hmm. not getting outside the tackle. You don't see any long runs anymore. It's it seems like he's just so fixated on being this pocket passer, which is just not his game. That's not how that's not how you design this offense. You design this offense to have. A lot of good running backs, good offensive line, good blocking tight ends. Not a lot of talent on the outside, but you got speed on the outside. This is not a drop back, stand in the pocket, deliver the ball down the field kind of offense. And Lamar Jackson's almost so spiteful against his his critics that he's like, I'm going to show them I'm this pocket passer. Dude, you're not a pocket passer. You don't need to be. You don't need to win. A, you don't need to be a pocket passer to win a Super Bowl. Well,
0: did you did you win the MVP as a pocket passer? No, no, you won the MVP by being this guy that roll out of the pocket, that make plays with his feet and, uh, when he needs to, and be able to use that threat yes. as a way to open up passing lanes down the field, and that's why you had your success to the air. He's getting away from the quarterback that he was to, to a fault. It's like, here, here's a little flow chart for you, Alex. Um, are, in the first ques- question is, are you Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert? If you say you're Lamar Jackson... Mm-hmm. You run. You use your athleticism to play quarterback. Make plays. If you're Justin Herbert, okay, pocket passer.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's that simple. It's, it's, it's yeah. He's he's overthinking everything right now. He's listening to the media. He's just getting in his own head. I'm, I'm scared, gonna show man. Him. He's he's just he's not. He's not playing like free Lamar. He's thinking too much. That's the problem. He's thinking way too much. He just needs to read, react, get out of the pocket. There's not many defensive backs or linebackers that can. Stay with you in the open field mm-hmm. Similar to Kyler Murray Get outside the pocket Make something happen But for this Titans team too It's it's officially Tractor Ceto season Give the ball to Derrick Henry <laughs> Let that man cook Get Ryan Tannehill In the play action You have some Monster pass catchers Johnu Smith AJ Brown And Corey Davis If you mm-hmm. line them up In a in a, in a police lineup there, it looks like they're WWE wrestlers. But these these guys are just... Just get the ball to their hands in open space. Let them try to run after the catch. You don't need to be a hero, Ryan Tannehill. Make the right plays. Get the ball to Derrick Henry. Bleed the clock, and you're going to win some football games.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Especially when you have a quarterback who's... Most of his game comes off of play action. Mm-hmm. with Which, that is no way to discredit him in any in any, um, stretch of the imagination. Because... No. He's the best in the league off of play action. Yes, and, and that is a that's not a bad thing. He's it's the, not a bad thing to be good with play action.
1: He's the perfect West Coast quarterback. Yes, he's like the perfect one, and he just needs to play to his strengths. Don't get down in the game, and
0: that's how the Titans are going to football games. Exactly. And, but the thing with with Ravens and and Lamar Jackson, just play your style of football. You are a really good quarterback, and you. Literally, just just play like it. 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 I know it sounds stupid. It sounds overly complicated. It sounds like me trying to coach from the couch, but that that's what it is, man. He just has to play his style of football, and he's going to be successful. Dude,
1: you were the MVP eight months ago. Act like it.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Uh, the next game we had uh, another AFC South team. We had the Texans playing at home against the Patriots and squeaking out the win, twenty-seven to twenty. But in this though, we had actually a really fun battle of quarterbacks, Cam Newton. I, this was definitely his best game of the season At least through the air 365 yards, a touchdown It, it, it looked like he was actually able to Play like like a quarterback And not just uh, it, He looked like a pocket passer He looked like sometime. a fullback
1: With, uh, with number one on their jersey To he, say they're quarterback He
0: didn't look like a bigger Taysom Hill
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he actually looks like He actually plays like Tim Tebow Because he can't throw the ball down the field and He's a <laughs> massive human being But <laughs> I mean, man, Tim Tebow was Jack. Tim us ones cool. so, Keep talking about I mean, Tim Tebow. He's still big. Well, he's remember,
0: we all remember that one little slow down video of him running out the field when it was raining when he was playing with the Jets. We all we saw that everywhere and with, with his. With,
1: no, you're by yourself on this one. Rob. I swear. I'm gonna put I you swear. into a corner. on this Put one. me into
0: a corner Well, also not gonna lie. I still have my Tim Tebow jersey. I was a huge Tim Tebow fan. Yeah, I don't have not fantasies
1: of Tim Tebow running off the field in rain <sighs> very often, but uh, I'll leave um, that one to you. Hey, hey,
0: to each their own. okay? He's perfection.
1: There's personified. one smile, by the way. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> Give me a check. And then we had Deshaun Watson on the other side of the football. He put all three touchdowns for the Houston Texans, two through the air, one on the feet, uh, or one on the ground. And hey, I'm. it was – there wasn't – there's not too much a right home about this game. No. It was another loss for the hood. It uh, The hood one. won. It was another decent win for the Texans, a little moral victory in the uh, post-Bill O'Brien era. And it, it was just a it, decent game. It was,
1: just a, it was a meh game all around. I'll be honest with you. This was the game in the early slate that I just paid the least attention to. Because, this was the least on NFL Red Zone. Yeah, just, <laughs> but it's also like at some point you just start to feel bad for Deshaun Watson because you look at him, he is out there just putting his heart out on the field similar to J.J. Watt, and mm-hmm. you just know that they're fighting for a bad franchise. I mean, you look at the Texans' track record since they came into the league in the 2000s, and they just haven't done anything. They're just not a good franchise right now. And they just locked up Deshaun for another couple years. And it's not like the NBA where you can just demand a trade after a couple years when you're unhappy. Like he's gonna Unless be
0: Le'Veon or AJ. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean he's he's gonna be there for a little bit. And uh, if they
0: could build around him, it, it could be fine. But at least I'm gonna give te- Texas bed for the doubt. They moved on from their god awful head coach slash GM. And they might be able to actually start to build a football team around Sean Watts. I know it's giving them... Up.
1: You hope so, but you, yeah. you never know with this franchise. You never
0: do. <laughs> you never know. Uh, at least Bill, the key part is build runs out, and yeah. they could actually build. Now, the next game, we had the Dolphins at the Broncos. Broncos winning this 20-13, to 13, and Alex... I really just don't know what to make about the Broncos as a team. Yeah, Be- so, Because yeah. They're, they're hot, they're cold, they have a decent defense, a really bad offense that doesn't show up a lot, but they sometimes show up. It, it, you, I don't know what to expect from the Broncos week in, week out.
1: So I remember we, we talked about this last week, and we talked about it a couple weeks back when – you know we start to figure out like oh is what is Drew Lock is mm-hmm. he a franchise quarterback you start to get on this little high horse a little bit i'm going to knock you off right yeah, now course. again good one this broncos team is not a good football team they do not have a high ceiling they will win ugly games they have a their the broncos best ability is to make a game not fun to watch or play in. <laughs> they did the same thing to the Patriots. That was the most boring game I've ever watched.
0: Oh, six field goals,
1: baby. Yeah, same thing with this week. It's just like, it's like, you you play a whole game, and you you remember, like, what what the hell just happened in that game? Like, did I just watch a 60-minute football game, or did I just watch two, two toddlers play in the mud for a couple minutes? Well,
0: you can see my face right now. This, my whole face watching that game was, I was just, I wasn't, I mean, of course, I was relieved that they won, but at the same time, I was just confused
1: yeah it's just it, it's almost like a pop balloon of a football game it's just really really <laughs> underwhelming um
0: it's like the jacking box you cranking and cranking and cranking and then once like you get to where it's supposed out. to happen it it, it nothing pops yeah. and it's just
1: yeah uh-huh. the, Bron- the broncos with vic fangio have <laughs> a ceiling that's also the floor which means and i put no-
0: more of the blame on pat Shermer.
1: i i honestly i still don't think that here's the thing When you hire a defensive head coach, it does not matter who you bring as the offensive coordinator because you always hear the quotes. You hear the press. I'm going to give the keys to blank. I'm going to give the keys to this offensive coordinator. He's going to run. But at the end of the day, when you're in the heat of the battle and you're in the game, the final call goes to the head coach. He's going to have some dictation as far as how the game plan goes. He's going to try to run the ball more. He's going to be conservative. He's not going to go for aggressive fourth downs. And with a defensive coach like Vic Fangio, who's an, kind of an old school guy, doesn't do anything exciting. The offense is going to be capped out. Doesn't matter if you bring in the best skill position ever, the best skill position players ever. You, you just you don't have a high ceiling because that's just not their mentality. That's not what they're trying to be. It's it's very similar to a Vikings team where you have all the skill position you want, but mm-hmm. you can still have those games where you run the ball forty. You know, times and, and you throw the ball twenty five times, and that's just how it is because that's how your coach thinks. It's how mm-hmm. his mindset is, and it, it's the same thing that happened in this game. They muddied up the waters. They made the Dolphins play horrible. The Broncos didn't play great, but you know they they forced some key turnovers when they needed to. Mm-hmm. They stopped them when they were getting into the red zone. And you know
0: they were driving late in the game. We had Justin Simmons. I mean, great. It play, was a great play. It was a good play. It, it, it was a fantastic interception. Wasn't the best of passes and decisions uh, Of uh, We'll talk about this a little later But of course we had uh, uh, We had Fitzmagic step in Late in the game and he did Nothing uh, productive <laughs> for, the, for the Dolphins. Uh, and then he would throw a double co- uh, uh, a pass into the end zone in double coverage. Justin Simmons, Amanda, the Broncos are going to have to pay soon. Mm-hmm. Makes a good read on the ball. Good interception to end the game right there. And, and of course, we we're talking the the elephant in the room is that Tua was benched halfway through the game. And we'll get to that in our not a segment. Not a good
1: look. We'll not it,
0: not the best look, I, I would say. And, and then if we're talking about things that aren't a good look, Let's talk about the Jets, shall we? Woo. Oh, The Jets at the Chargers. The Chargers getting a game that should that was way closer than it needed to be. Yeah. 34-28. Just covered, at least. Hey, hey we covered. That's- hey, congrats to all you sports bettors. That's you, a W. I, that's a W in most books, of course. And then it did, early in the game, we had Joe Flacco. Of course, the elite one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would go, uh, go out and throw probably the most elite in pick six. I've ever seen in my entire life like it was so elite that I, I, I am baffled like I have no idea what he was even thinking with this he's like his, his mind is just on this whole other astral plane
1: yeah the, the funniest part about that whole play was you had uh, I forget who was doing the play-by-play that day but you, you had him draw up what happened in the interception mm-hmm. and as the replay was going he starts he circled the outside corner and he's like this guy's gonna play outside coverage outside technique and jump the route and get the interception, and then as he rolls the film, he completely realizes that he circled the wrong player, he circled the wrong route combination, and he's like, I, I don't. Like, looking back on this, I don't know how Joe Flacco threw this ball. He <laughs> even confused him after he saw the play, is trying to break it down on the replay, and he's just like, this shot had no, I mean, this ball literally had no chance of being completed. It's so stupid. I mean, just just from a, from a quarterback's perspective, you're on your own five-yard line, you're on the left hash and you're going to throw a two yard out. It doesn't make any sense. And, and you're going to leave the ball behind the receiver. You're not going to lead him out of bounds. Literally
0: nothing good happened in this
1: play. It was one of the worst plays I've ever seen a quarterback make. And he just, and
0: it was also a dunk of a football. Yeah, too.
1: I mean, No, no <laughs> juice on it.
0: And see the, the, the funny thing is uh, we, we talk all this. I still rather that Joe Flaccoon scored back than Sam Darnold. <laughs> I mean,
1: they actually, moved they were able to move the ball when he wasn't throwing. Hey, the lead one had
0: a few touchdowns this game, too. Okay, yeah. it was in that Chargers defense, man. They gave way too many points to the Jets. And then we were talking last week, of course, our now our most watched video ever on the YouTube channel. Of course, you can go find us fourth and long radio, it has over 2,100 view, um views now. And like some people got a huge uh, d- debate over. Um, some guy said um, that Justin Herbert is a lock for Offensive Player of the Year, and um, I think there's like about thirty replies alone in that yeah, comment. I mean, he's, he's but a- he might have done that with this. duo, played poorly. He was benched. And then he goes out, throws for an over three of the fifty yards again, another three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's right now, but when we were talking about well, it, when we were talking, it were, was different. Dolphins were almost a division leader. That Tua was three and zero.
0: Crazy how much changes in the week in the it's NFL. Crazy. So
1: here's here's what I really and we, and I might be able to save this for, mm-hmm. for later in the show when we talk about Tua, but I just I don't like how it's getting how how his situation is getting managed right now, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I mean Herbert is is as advertised. He looks incredible. He's it, up is this
0: a haircut? A little more aerodynamic, yeah, l- less drag. His, yeah, he,
1: it almost like he gets his haircut and he doesn't look like he is 15 anymore. He looks like he's 12. So it's it's almost <laughs> better. So he's he's he, he's grew out of the teen years. And now he's still in the adolescent. years. Oh, he, so back he, to the pre-teens, baby. Yeah, he's he's regressing in the age department, but in the playing department, he's knocking everything out of the water. So it's
0: so crazy. He's, you know.
1: he's, I mean, he's making throws that you would never dream your Pro Bowl quarterback in his seventh year yeah. would make. So, it, it,
0: uh, really unbelievable stuff from him. It, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, guys. pretty sad
1: that he's on the franchise with no fans. But um,
0: you mean me no fans. There's like, let me, let me, let me. Um, um, Count 16? Them. Yeah, you got them. Did I get them? Almost, I can almost do that with just like the four, our four hands here in the they, same room. We they can't. barely
1: have more fans than Justin Herbert's age.
0: Oh, that's... that. I'm sorry. Really I'm tough. sorry, guys. Really I, but also for the 16 fans, proud of you guys. You, you guys are, are, are real ones right well there. Well deserved. Well deserved. Uh, next game, we had the a, a big game in the house. I think it really... Surprising game with how good it ended up being to me, to to be quite honest, because we had the Colts winning in overtime against the Packers, thirty-four, thirty-one, huge overtime win, especially for divisional uh, um, kind of kind of play for divisional matchups and in, in, uh, records right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and is that defense? Forcing four turnovers and a turnover on downs by Aaron rodgers Lauren for one um, interception. We had the Packers fumbling three times. One fumble in overtime is what eventually cost the, the game, too, because that would lead to the game-winning field goal by Hot Rod Rodrigo Blankenship. And he's still <laughs> the best kicker in the league. I know we all saw this meeting with, with the picture side-by-side with him and DK Metcalf oh my and... It's,
1: it's, 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 it's shocking, but it's also, I, uh, Rodrigo came out with a, a great quote this week. I don't know if it just surfaced this week or it was done before, but they were talking about what he was doing um, before draft night, and I think he said he was building a Lego set the time he got a call from uh, <laughs> from uh, uh, the Colts GM. Hey, I uh, laugh,
0: but with the amount of money he's making with his NFL contract, he could actually afford the cool Lego sets yeah. now, and now I gotta say, I'm a bit jealous.
1: Opportunities are endless for him now. He can Gosh. get the
0: whole Lego City
1: collection, man. And he seems like a guy that would take the time to build all that stuff. I respect that, man. Yeah, so so here's here's an interesting interesting thing that I, that I pulled from this game. So two out of the last three weeks, we've had kind of a similar situation where mm-hmm. you have one of the top NFC teams, one of the top AFC teams, and not talking about the Chiefs, not talking about the Steelers, because I think those two are in a completely different level, but you had the Seahawks playing the Bills, and you had the Packers playing the Colts. Both times, the AFC team won. Mm-hmm. In the Bills' standpoint, I think they won pretty handedly. And I think it just shows the huge discrepancy with the AFC and the NFC this year. Yeah. The NFC has a lot of teams that um, you know are good in their division, are good in their conference, but I think when you start to stack up the actual bones of this AFC team Versus the bones of this NFC team mm-hmm. NFC just does not stack up at all There's glaring mistakes on all of them uh, I mean, even earlier in the year You had the 7-3 and three, um, Browns team beat up on this Colts team And now you have the Colts I mean It was a game that the Packers should have won But I think it showed a lot about that Colts defense That they mm-hmm. were able to shut out Aaron Rodgers Until they had the game-time field goal in the fourth Can quarter Can I hear
0: uh, Deary Slender's?
1: Yeah, but here's the thing: is like, I think the NFC has zero shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. There's no way. I think there's There's no way way that an AFC team loses. It doesn't. You can put. And and
0: with the MC Plus, we can talk a little bit about this more um, in a sec. But to your point, it's just not competitive. No every
1: every team has a glaring glaring mistake, and it's like, who do you feel as the most confident right now in the NFC about? It's probably the Saints, but you have a quarterback with fourteen broken ribs. A, and a, a defense,
0: a, a defense that has been suspect a lot. It's, again, they
1: played great this week, but the Saints' defense has not been good. As Marshawn Lattimore has not been the player that he's, um, you know, been his first couple years. Just the NFC is just—it's weird. It's deep and it's not that good.
0: No, not uh, I don't think it is. And then, staying with the NFC though, uh, we can get the Cowboys at the Vikings with the. Vikings hot streak, where they've actually looked good the last couple weeks. Yeah. It comes to a screeching halt. To uh, the Cowboys? To the Cowboys. Even with a strong offensive performance. certainly when we see losses like this, we see Kirk Cousins with his two touchdowns, two interceptions, you know, two touchdowns, three interceptions, three touchdowns, three interceptions. No. Kirk Cousins over three hundred yards passing, three um touchdowns, zero interceptions. Adam Finland two Uh, touchdowns. One, arguably touchdown of the year so far. Oh my gosh, that
1: was a nasty catch. Nasty. That was so good.
0: That was so damn good. Then we had Justin Jefferson getting another touchdown too. Dalvin Cook with a... I think he's he's the the reason. He didn't score three touchdowns this game. That's why he lost. Exactly. And and, and then Andy Dalton, man. Yeah, the the, the ginger machine putting up three touchdowns. It was Zeke getting back on track with a uh, 100 plus yard performance. It's that bad Vikings defense that... Mm -hmm. Still haunts him, man.
1: Yeah, it, it turns out if you have a bad defense, it's going to rear its ugly head every now and then. And shocker, shocker, you, shocker. Yeah, it, it's like Andy Dalton didn't do anything spectacular this week, but he did enough to, to beat a bad defense, but um, it, it's 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 kind of concerning that you, look, you come back from this game and you just kind of say, okay, the, the Vikings lost this game, but... What I really picked up from this game and just building week by week by week, and something that completely shocked me was that Mm -hmm. in college, Justin Jefferson was an incredible receiver, but he did most of his damage from the inside, from the slot. And with this Vikings team now, he's turned into this world-beater outside receiver. Mm -hmm. He's almost does everything that Stephon Diggs did, but at a more efficient clip. He makes better plays after the catch. He's... Looks like he's got a way, way more crisp route tree. He's not dropping balls. He's getting touchdowns. He's getting a lot of targets. And him and Adam Thielen Mm -hmm. have got to be one of the strongest receiver duos right now. Uh,
0: That's so good. And and you you, uh, got and talked about his deep threat Mm -hmm. uh, um, right there. And then we all think, and, and I do have the opinion, that the best and biggest deep threat in the league right now is going to be DK Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, that's the
1: biggest part, right, for sure.
0: 100%, at, at least the, the biggest. But the crazy thing is, yards per target versus single coverage. DK Metcalf, 14.4 yards. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson with 17.
1: Ooh,
0: wow. So, they th- the Kirk Cousins like to throw it up to Justin Jefferson, and it's been paying dividends for them. So you're
1: saying when he, when... Kirk Cousins sees outside coverage right now. He salivates a little bit more when it's Justin Jefferson rather than Russell with DK. I
0: think so. That's cr- I mean, think that's so. A well, it's because stat right there. Uh, the, 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 that's the, such a good. Ooh, we, we can debate about this uh, in the later show a little later because we're a little fool for this fire cell segment. But let's put this one on the dock, Alex, and let's have our fans think about this for a week. Okay. Who would you rather have? Is it it's a wide receiver duo, Am and Justin Jefferson? Or Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf?
1: Wow. Let's let's, I mean, let's, let's ponder that. It's really close. It's really, it, really close. It,
0: I can't think about that the time. I'm really going to have to like do a little more and, and get a better I this. But this all you bit. guys, think about this over the week. We'll get to it next week. Second to last game of the week, we had our Sunday night game, which was another really good game between these two divisional teams. We had the Chiefs taking on the Raiders, this time in the giant Roomba in the desert. And we had the Chiefs winning this one 35 31. The Chiefs are able, something I talked about a few weeks ago, is the Chiefs had a really unbalanced offense, super pass heavy, no run game, and that's not how you win playoff games. Mm -hmm. And now, oh, I think they've listened to me, of course. Uh, That's exactly what they did. Andy Reid, um, big time, long time fan of the show, Mm -hmm. he listened and said, hey, Ross. You're really smart, and you're, you're 100% correct about this. And so what he's done, he's changed his game plan around my opinion. And he's going to and, and bounce up the offense a little more. Right? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting another couple touchdowns. Mahomes with a couple. Travis Kelsey, really good. 127 yards of touchdown. And get this, Travis Kelsey, out of all receivers in the league, he's 16 yards behind De'Hondre Hopkins for most reception yards this season.
1: Yeah, it turns out Travis Kelsey's good at football.
0: You you think Travis Kelsey's good at football, Alex?
1: I think he is. Um, and you know we can talk about this Chiefs offense, how good how good they are, how balanced they are. Let's offensive talk about lines, the other one, man. Offensive lines playing well, but man, this Raiders team just looks really, really good. It, it pains just, me
0: to say, but I, they they are a very respectable team.
1: It's just, I, I mean, it's like you you look, you take the Raiders team, and on paper. How balanced they are, how they're able to be in a in a position like this where they're chucking the ball around against Patrick Mahomes, or they can play, um, you know, a game like they did against the Patriots, where they just grinded out the clock, had a lot of rushing yards, leaned on that offensive line, and you stack them up with the top teams from the NFC, and I mean this is a you know the one of the five, probably the fifth, sixth, or seventh best team in the AFC, and you almost would pick them over any of those NFC teams we just listed because of how balanced they are. Their defense is nothing to write home about, but they have playmakers in the the defensive backfield. Max Crosby gets after the quarterback. You know, it's it's a complete team. Max
0: Crosby, let's talk He's a, almost underrated on that defensive he's, he's on, really on the is a front seven defender. Agreed. He's good.
1: I mean, he's, he's good. Khalil Mac who?
0: But He's. You don't need Khalil Mack with this. Of course, he would probably make them better. It'd be hard to argue against that. But yeah. the Raiders, friend, they're, they're just building a good team in there, led, of course, by Josh Jacobs, mm-hmm. who, if he didn't get hurt, he would have been offensive rookie of the year last year. Uh, he he should have been over Kyler. And uh, there's a lot of people that still believe that he should have been over Kyler, which is. It's a harder argument to make. I could definitely see it, but it's a quarterback playing a full 16 um, game season. So, also, it's a quarterback. quarterback. And, and then the Raiders, man. They go up with. (laughs) They go through with less than two minutes to go in this game. But if you leave a minute 56 or a minute 54, whatever it was, on the clock, two minutes is is way too much time for the Kansas City offense. They go out seven plays, 75 yards, make it look easy in a minute 15. (laughs)